0: for professional advice with a personal touch consult fuller landau chartered professional accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com 7.05,
1: 7.05, welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello. And tonight on the program, we're going to talk, uh, I'm very excited about this, uh, to Scott Simons of Organic Optimum Heal, Op- Optimal Health. And uh, Scott helps uh, companies become uh, more green and more healthy. So we'll get to uh, to his profile in a few minutes. But first, to review some of the entrepreneurial news of, uh, of the past weekend, of course, uh, there's one major headline today, mm-hmm. and it has to do with... Uh, what has got to be one of the most successful companies if not the most successful company to ever uh come out of quebec uh guillet liberte uh selling uh, most of today for about 1.5 billion dollars josh um a lot of mixed reaction to this some are saying well you know maybe he should have made more of an effort to keep the ownership local others are saying uh um it, that'd be in my camp we'll talk about this later on the exchange that you know what he built it from scratch literally mm-hmm. from nothing he was a street performer Came up from from that scene, built a one uh, over a billion dollar company. Uh, I say he can do what he pleases, and uh, and I think we should all salute his contribution to uh, uh, to Quebec and, and the amount of uh, of pride he instilled in, in Quebec and how many jobs he created. You know, uh, there's many entrepreneurs
2: that that say I'm building it not because it's my baby, not because I want to keep it forever, not because I want to have it in the family forever, uh, but I'm building it to create a great product, a great service, and one day I'll sell it. Uh, you know, many entrepreneurs say, I'm I'm not building it to live, e breathe it for the rest of my life. I'm building it so I can create something to sell down the road, of which I'll start something new afterwards. And uh, this one just happens to be one monster of, uh, of a business and a sale. And I'm sure something that is super close to his heart. But then again, he's been doing this for so many years. At some point, you got to say, well, maybe it is time to hang up your hat. And maybe it is time to capitalize on it. I'm sure it was... An extremely emotional decision, um, but one that is obviously
1: very fruitful. So, 1,400 employees, their jobs are all safe, apparently, in Montreal. Even though that these uh, the the company will be owned mostly from from people outside of Quebec. Um, but as we heard during the news, Josh, I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to human capital, mm-hmm. the Cirque relies very heavily on that, and and they're they're a creation of Quebec, really, of the Quebec art scene. Uh, the multilingualism, the 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 artistic expression that we find here in Montreal. So you can't just outsource a company like that.
2: No, you can't. I mean, but the reality is, where are you going to find these people? Some of the talent, while they certainly live in Quebec, didn't originate from Quebec. You had a lot of talented people come from around the world uh, to the point that there was a housing complex that Cirque du Soleil built. So yes, the, the talent is all here, but didn't always originate. There are still people that were imported. That being said, there's a lot of talent that exists here. Certainly fostered by Cirque du Soleil. Certainly, at, you know, people are with with that type of talent, with that artistic talent that. Flexibility, physical flexibility, something I'll never be able to do. But that's besides the point. Uh, that talent come come in and uh, and kind of created that hub, kind of like the gaming industry. You know, Ubisoft is here, created. Uh, I'm not saying that they were the first ones, but kind of created this this gaming development hub uh, and this this major player in the market. Cirque du Soleil is pretty much that. And the fact that it's Quebec and you can't really get a, get rid of your employees so quickly, anyways. Um I don't think anybody's in danger of losing a position so quickly.
1: He said something uh in- extremely interesting during the uh the press conference today which was about 45 minutes long about entrepreneurship and it's something that we've never discussed before in the program. Mm-hmm. He's actually against Uh, passing down businesses to to his children he's against what he called second generation entrepreneurship because he thought he thought he felt that Cirque du Soleil was really his vision it wasn't going to be necessarily the vision of his young children and so because of that he wanted to sell the business now and and not be uh preoccupied with uh with so many people that we've spoke to on the program are, and that that is the legacy factor and passing it on to the next generation. What do you, what do you make of that statement, uh, to just sort of refuse to, to go there because he doesn't believe in it?
2: I think that was a very personal decision that applies to his unique situation. Uh, I think there are many businesses that have the second generation where the children really want to go into it, and so many businesses that we've seen where the children actually reinvent the business and take it in a different direction take it out a little bit from the stone ages and bring it to today now you're right not every second generation or third generation or fourth generation always want to go into the business and sometimes they feel it's an obligation or sometimes they feel it's an easy way out Uh, but i would say that that that's really a case-by-case situation Growing up in a household where there is a family business certainly has a big impact, and it's either it's either going to be positive or it's going to be negative. Either your your parents are going to you know smile when they talk about their business, or they're going to be aggravated and pull their hair out, and you're going to get a bad taste for it. So I, I would say that uh, Guy Liberte's decision is a very personal one that affects. Him and his family and his situation and not necessarily something that goes across the board. We see so many family businesses and transitions uh, that you're right, not all of them work, but it's not for want. It's not for lack of desire or or, or something along those lines. I, I think it's very particular to each family situation.
1: And, uh, you know, he, mentions, uh, he mentioned in the press conference that, um, uh, that not only w- was this the, the plan to not pass it on to his kids, but of course the kids are very young, so mm-hmm. the, the, he, he couldn't really uh, have a second gen- generation before 20, 30 years or something like that. But uh, when it comes to wh- where the seed grows next, there was talk about taking it to the next level. You have a business like this, which is highly artistic. Uh, what do you think they can do to take it to the next level uh, in, in other markets around the world? well they the, first of all they are in so many markets to begin with so they'll
2: explore where they aren't um and and see okay can we expand to you know eastern european countries or can we expand to a show somewhere in africa or which they may have already done i can't say i know all the locations that they've that they visited um but there there's no doubt that this is a a universal product this is not something that where you have quebecers that love it or you have people in China that love it, or you have Americans that love it. They all love it. They all, there is just something about it that transcends, whether it's, uh, whether it's, uh, uh, language, uh, or races or nationalities, it just transcends all. It's just entertaining. So now how can they make it more creative? That, I don't know. I, I must admit that's, that's the different side of the brain that doesn't work as well for me. Uh, but from a location standpoint, the world is big. There's billions of people there's no doubt that there's and they and they do the traveling show beautifully do the permanent show great they do the traveling show exceptionally there's no doubt that there's plenty of areas in the world that they can expand the question becomes you know will the people follow
1: Hmm. Alright, so that's the major business story in the news uh, today in Canada. And uh, also there's talk about some new retail operations opening up in Montreal. This is a co- uh, called the COS brand, uh, COS of, uh, of clothing, and they're, uh, they're actually an offshoot of H&M. So uh, do they stand a better chance if they're uh, attached to, uh, to what are, is already a successful international retailer or is it a bad idea to really invest in retailing in general? No, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to invest in retailing. I think you
2: just have to have the right reason to attract people to your store. I think they have to want to go visit your store. As consumers, we always love something new. We hope it's the right trends, and, and we always want to be avant-garde. And, and if this COS store is 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 going to achieve just that, then I think they'll definitely drive a lot of traffic. It's not so much the first few weeks or months it's more. What do they do after that? When the newness factor is is kind of, kind of you know wavering and and moving on, then what do they do? Do they make sure that they're always a little bit ahead? Do they make sure that they're true to their original plan? Uh, do they tweak where they have to? Do they do they adapt if it if something doesn't work? I think it's it's it in as much as the opening part and knowing your audience, of course, because we always come back to knowing your target and knowing your audience. It's what do you do and how do you react. If it's not working so well, or if it's going gangbusters, how do you push it that much more? Uh, Everybody likes that newness factor. And that's what, that's what I think they have going for them from a new retail outlet.
1: I like your thoughts on this real quick. It's a story from the Financial Post about neuromarketing. So you know how some brands hire uh, uh, marketing companies to do focus groups. So this this focus group, uh, they attach electrodes to your brain and measure uh, whether or not your brain is experiencing various uh, uh, emotions associated with whatever you're watching. So they're really getting inside your head now. What do you make of the practice of neuromarketing?
2: Well, there's, there's certainly some privacy issues that come into play, but the reality is if somebody agrees to, to let them be tested, then so be it. The technology today uh, is is absolutely outstanding, and I'm sure there's ways to, to judge it because people aren't, you know, they, sometimes people can't necessarily... Explain or depict what they're feeling or why they buy, but yet the brain waves and, and I mean, look at the big data and trends, just how you buy online predicts what you can do. Brain waves, I'm sure, are no different. Do I want people attaching electrodes to my head to figure out what's in there? <laughs> Maybe my wife does, but I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> and people in focus groups lie a lot of the time too. there's there's that the, there is that and and you know there nobody takes a polygraph, and maybe this is the next step for a polygraph, and this is the next step to say how are we really gonna get the information that's in somebody's head. A little it's a little bit uh, too far for me if uh, at this very moment. but if it gives great data and somebody can sell more, so be it.
1: Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. In a moment, we'll talk to Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health. He'll tell us how he helps organizations and businesses stay healthy. It's 716 right now. CJAD 800 traffic. Here's Curie Yeager.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.20
1: 7:20 on today's Entrepreneur: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, with you. And this evening, our profile is Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health. Scott, welcome to CJD. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, a uh, very interesting business. Um, you you your goal is to make people and organizations healthier. Tell me about uh, about organic.
3: So, Organic's a simple company that offers uh, services on site. For companies, uh, wellness services like um, nutrition consulting, conferences, health breaks, group classes—any service that makes health accessible for the employees. Um, pretty much, there's an epidemic of unhealth in the workplace because health is not accessible. There's stress, um, chronic fatigue, chronic uh, anxiety. So, by making health accessible, we're making the employees access- uh, uh, healthy and the company healthy as well.
2: Now, does that mean you're bringing? Like from a physical activity exercise, do you bring in equipment? Do you get people moving every now and then? Is that part of it? It's not just the nutrition side, but it's also the the physical activity.
3: Definitely, yes. Yeah. So there's there's a big disease in North America called the sitting disease. Um, yeah. People are sitting 8, 9, 10 hours a week, and organic has... Uh, a remedy to that then it's called movement simple movement um whether it's 10 minutes during a health break where we get employees to move with dynamic stretches or a full on yoga class pilates class tai chi um so movement is a is a major aspect of of organic
2: do companies need a large space i mean to 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 do this or you kind of work within the confines of wherever you're given
3: lots of companies don't have healthy spaces or space for health. So we adapt to whether it's a cafeteria, a boardroom, um, here at Radio Canada, at one point we, uh, we did it in front of the elevators. Mm-hmm. So employees would come to a, a common space and, uh, uh, we just offer a, a service there um so we can adapt to almost any company as long as there are human beings there pretty much we can we can make health accessible
2: no and uh, listen hopefully many companies have human beings and i know we certainly you know sitting in an office environment we sit Far too often, I I, I know. Uh, mm. But to the point that we kind of created. Uh, there's some people in our office that created activities, a kind of boot camp, uh, more in the summer than in the winter. Although just because it's it's easier, we're in front of the park. But certainly activity to get things going. So great to figure out kind of how you got into this to begin with. So when we come back from the break, we'll learn a little bit more about the beginnings of organic.
1: Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health, our guest this evening on today's Entrepreneur.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 7.25 on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest this evening is Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health. And uh, Josh, perhaps we can just get a bit into uh, the history of, of organic uh, of, uh, and how you basically started from scratch. Uh, where did you, Maybe you start with the inspiration. Where did you get the inspiration and when did that become uh, a business?
3: Well, the inspiration came from uh, one of our first companies wanted health breaks, so 10-minute breaks, where we got employees to move with very simple dynamic stretches and breathing techniques. And after the first 10-minute health break, uh, I got a standing ovation. Employees were extremely happy, thrilled to get an accessible on-site service. And I also realized to what extent that the employees couldn't necessarily move very well. Very simple movements uh, were hard for them, chronic pain mm-hmm. in their their body, very di- disconnected from their breath as well. So I saw an, oppor- an opportunity. We need to make health accessible for these employees so that they can actually uh, get healthier while they're at work instead of getting unhealthier while they're at work.
2: Did you have any educational, physical education background or you kind of learned... After the fact, when you realize when this light bulb went off,
3: um, yeah, I had a bit of training, but I was trained as a I was trained as a personal trainer, and then got into yoga, which uh, which is now what I teach um, on a, on a weekly basis. Um, so I guess it was more adapting to what I felt the companies needed, and uh, yoga in the workplace was what resonated I felt the most deeply with employees. Just coming back to the breath, opening up the body, uh, simple movements that offered wonderful benefits. Now,
2: you know, straight off the the discussion that Dan and I had before about Gila Liberté and not wanting to hand it off to the second generation, you are part of the Simons family of the Simons department store. Yeah. You didn't want to go into it. You chose this is a better path. Like how did how did that work with the the family dynamics and and why you veered away from it? Uh
3: I wasn't ever really attracted, I guess, to to the company. I just saw my, my dad, how many hours he put into it. Uh, he left the company in ni- 1997. Uh, so there are some, some family reasons why why he left. And I just wasn't drawn to the uh, to the business side of it, the retail world, the hours that you had to put in. My dad, I think, traveled maybe 175 days a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked 80, 90, 100 hours a week. So um, I wanted to be maybe part of, maybe build a business that would have more space and more freedom. And that's where organic came into the mix. Now,
2: so it was kind of a, you, you knew you didn't want to take that path. <laughs> so that that was pretty easy. You knew, you know, the the wellness certainly uh, had, had a much bigger impact. Um, the first, how do you get your first customer? If, you know, you want to go into the workplace. How do you get your
3: first customer? Uh, so... Initially, I, uh, Organic had a partnership with an EAP company, an Employee Assistance Program company, and they wanted to differentiate from their competition. Instead of offering sort of the classic EAP services and mm-hmm. psychologists and this and that, they wanted to differentiate from the competition and order and and offer uh, wellness services. So there was a partnership between this company and Organic, and her first company that she introduced me to was a very big company with 3000 employees and that's pretty much how it started. And from getting that major company, it opened doors to get, you know, the Desjardins, the RBCs, the Standard Lifes, the other big companies. So the first one was through a partnership and then classic cold calling, mm-hmm. emails, uh, going to cocktail parties, just meeting people, um, pretty much everybody I met worked in the, in some company, So it was, it became a, a good pitch.
2: And strategic alliances, uh, to many entrepreneurs, are are a great kind of door opening, and and of course could sustain and 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 grow business organically. No, no pun intended, or every pun intended. But strategic strategic alliances are huge, and I kind of want to explore that a touch more when we come back from the break. Uh, but uh, great great start so far.
1: Scott, Steve, Simon, sorry, of Organic Optimal Health is with us this evening on today's Entrepreneur at 7:30.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.35
1: on today's entrepreneur a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business my name is Dan Delmar along with fellow Landau's Josh Miller and our guest tonight is Scott Simons of organic optimal health and uh, Josh let's delve into marketing a little bit Uh, certainly uh, I'm guessing Scott uh, uh, B2B marketing you market yourself to to a lot of businesses Um, how is uh, would you say you market more towards businesses or more towards the general population
3: definitely in the past uh, 9 years since uh, we started organic it's it's b2b our client is really the the company and then the employees in the company and but more and more everybody that i meet sort of outside companies uh Uh, As I mentioned earlier, cocktail parties or going out to network, all these people are in companies. So instead of going out and marketing to the company, I've realized that uh, you have to get out there and meet the people and that's your pitch. You meet somebody that works for a company and they say, oh, you need to talk to our HR person and then you're in the company instead of cold calling for hours and try to find that name you get it directly and then you get the support from that person internally. So
2: now you, you said you, you know, we were talking about strategic alliances before mm. and the employee, employee assistance program, the EAP company, but, but you also have to do your own marketing. You didn't just rely on them over the years. So what has kind of worked for you? Have you done like more online? You relied on your website or is it really just the meeting people one-on-one that was your kind of best return on investment?
3: The best ROI is definitely meeting people, however, the web has been important, our, our websites. We've had three websites and just changed the website actually this morning. Uh, and more and more, whether it's through Twitter or Facebook, these tools are becoming powerful tools to connect directly to, to your client and speak and create a conversation uh, with them. So. I I it's definitely changed over the years and more and more now we're going the direction of social media and and web-based platforms in terms of marketing and meeting people there's nothing like meeting people face to face like like we did
2: No, absolutely that's that's how we met at a yeah, cocktail party exactly, no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, do you find yourself because you 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 specialize in a service in wellness? but you're you're also running your own business. you kind of have to gain that knowledge of social media and and website and kind of know I mean not to program and not to do it, but to gain it. Did you find it a challenge to kind of understand that part of the business and 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 make the most of it over the years?
3: What I found challenging marketing to companies was the the resistance to health um and that there are three clients in the workplace you've Got the people up top that are paying for the service, there's HR, and then they're the employees and each have very different needs. So how do I market to these three different populations inside the company and market to them successfully? Mm-hmm. So the people up top feel there's an ROI, HR feels it's a great program. And the employees feel that, um, they're getting something special as well. So it's, that's been a challenge at times. Uh, and now we have people on board helping us with social media because I don't know that world, right. but there's a, a, wonderful company called virtual resources helping us out with that at the moment and they're doing a great job and I'm learning a lot from them about this new world. So
2: kind of switch gears a little bit, you know, you you mentioned dealing with the top, the people, the, 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 the powers that be in the companies that pay for their services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to imagine that uh certainly at the beginning when you're when you're starting out your business and maybe a little bit later later on you, you still have to manage cash flow you still have to make sure that the dollars come in you pay out whoever is is taking care of the courses or meeting the companies was that that was something that was maybe a little bit new to you and uh you know kind of what lessons or what did you learn along the way as far as managing your cash flow something you didn't really have to do before uh,
3: well I learned everything along the way. I had never built a business before in my life, managing cash flow. What I did with Organic was build a very, very light company. We didn't have an office. We didn't have much equipment So and no employees really other than myself and a couple of other people. Uh, it was all subcontractors. Mm-hmm. So what I did in terms of creating a business that was ultra light, so any money that came in uh, would would go straight to, to profits or as fast as possible. Um, so that's sort of how, how I managed, uh, was this it, t- business.
2: was it tough to develop the pricing for your services, you know, not coming from that background before and, and going out and saying, I know, I know these companies need it. I know there's people that aren't all thin and need some, get some exercise and whatever, but how in the world am I pricing it? What are they going to pay? What are, mm-hmm. what are they willing, how far are they willing to go for the health and wellness of their, of their team?
3: There are several ways that I figured out how to do it uh, by making mistakes in terms of realizing that I charged something at $100 and uh, finding out later that I could have charged it for $500. Um, even from the client, they tell me that, or internally. Um, and just looking at competition as well, seeing what they were pitching at. Um, either calling their companies and, and asking how much their services were. Some people put it directly on their site. I remember, I think our first conferences were $150 an hour nine years ago, and uh, we just sold a, a conference for $3,000 for an hour. So you can see that sometimes we we can be way off, uh, and it's hard to quantify health in the workplace. How much is a yoga class worth quantitatively for a company? So, um, But we figured that out, I think, more and more, and uh, I feel our prices are fair, and they do offer a huge return. Scott
1: Simons joins us of Organic Optimal Health. Scott, uh, do you have trouble convincing some companies that, that that a service like yours is really an investment in, in their own in their own operations?
3: Definitely, it, it has changed. In the beginning, when I started in two thousand and six with Organic, there there was a resistance. I felt that health was seen more as an expense than as an investment investment. And now, with the recession that hit in two thousand and eight. Um, it, the business was really hit hard. However, so for five years, it was just struggling and struggling, but now I feel the companies saw how, um, expensive it was in terms of cutting down on costs and having, uh, healthy, unhealthy employees or stressed out employees and the cost of that. So now five years later, as, as tough it was, as it was to get through the recession, they're starting to wake up and say, wow, unhealthy employees cost a lot of money. How can we get them healthier at work so they can perform better? produce more, less absenteeism, presenteeism, being present at work Mm -hmm. and not really being there, um, and more motivated and inspired. Uh, so I think they're starting now to see since 2000, 2013, 2014, there's been a shift in terms of employee health is important.
2: Now you're, you're certainly passionate about this topic. There's no question, but (laughs) what, what's next for Organa? Like what are you doing next? What's the next big project that, that is going to be good, whether it's here or, or in a different market?
3: What really works, I think, in the workplace is, um, is nutrition and food and, and juices. The thing is, maybe in a company, 10% of the people will be interested in, in yoga or Pilates or nutrition consulting or conferences, but when it comes to eating food, um, every single employee eats three to four to five times a day. Um, they all love juices and great food. So now delivering healthy food into the workplace and healthy juices is the direction that uh, Organic is going into at the moment.
2: And what about off-site or different locations? And uh, I know Off-Air, we spoke about this this great hotel location or idea that, that's coming up to play this this monastery. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about that.
3: Yeah, This is a 15-year dream that I've had of, of bringing hospitality and wellness together. And in Quebec City, in the first monastery hospital built in 1644, they're transforming it into a wellness hotel with 65 rooms, a healthy restaurant. And I'm part of this project now in Quebec City. And it's going in the same direction of just spreading the word and, and getting health and wellness and making it accessible for everybody. So this is a beautiful project in Quebec City that I just started working on about six months ago. And um, everybody needs to come to this, this wellness hotel. When's it opening? <laughs> it's opening July 1st. And uh, we can we want as many people as possible to come in and experience authentic health in this space. The The deepest roots of wellness are under this monastery, 1644, so.
2: <laughs> well, it's certainly, it's it's a challenging business and trying to get, you know, employers to understand the benefits for their employees. It's certainly good for the general population. And uh, thanks very much for joining us. When we come back, uh, Dan, we have uh, Michelin Maillet, our our human resource director, and we're going to look at the flip side of that coin. So from an employer's standpoint, what are some of the things that that entrepreneurs should be aware of? What should they do? What works with their employees? uh, And that we're going to kind of
1: explore that after, after the break. Great. Getting your employees in shape next on Today's Entrepreneur, 745.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur Inspiring Stories from Outstanding Business People. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health is our guest this evening. We also bring into the conversation Micheline Mayette, uh, HR Specialist at Fuller Landau to talk about, of course, uh, getting employees in shape and some of the issues that, that come up uh, when employees try to do that or if employees maybe want that from their organizations. Uh, Micheline, is this this is something that's becoming more common, I guess, incorporating uh, a healthier lifestyle in, into your work. Um, you're at work, what, eight nine hours a day, it only makes sense that we take some breaks once in a while to make sure that we're all healthy.
4: Yes, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, traditionally companies see it as health like health and safety. That's what you would hear more of, like, dealing with CSST issues, prevention, as far as workplace accidents. And so health and wellness today is really taking that to the next level. Um, so now, like, you know, as Scott was saying earlier, a lot of companies, especially bigger companies now are starting to see the benefits of putting in place health and wellness programs for their employees. Um, and I I feel it's still something that small medium sized employers need to start seeing the benefits of as well. A lot of small medium sized companies think it's something that's really just for big companies. But I find there is a lot that a small medium sized company could do that's very budget friendly. Um, you know, for their group that they would see benefits from.
2: Now, do you think that the small smaller companies and I, I kind of raised this with Scott earlier think it's a there's a lack of space, so maybe I can't have this exercise group go, or or there's just the the, the resources, whatever they may. be be aren't as sufficient. But I'm sure there are some things they can do and, they, and that maybe they, they must do to make sure that their employees are, are in a healthy, productive workplace.
4: Yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have space to do something. There's all kinds of Simple things you can do to help promote health and wellness within a work environment. Um, You know, a lot of companies have meetings where they serve food, so you could serve healthier food during those meetings. So that's an initiative the employer can take to provide good option, like good options for for their employees. Um, Every company has a door that leads to the outside, so it's easy to organize walking groups, for example, at lunch. You don't need to have space to do that. You know, if you're on the side of a highway, sometimes it's not as easy. (laughs) Maybe you could do laps of the parking lot or something like that. But you know, there's always options.
2: If there's a bit of a harsh winter day, it might be that much more difficult. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh,
4: but, uh, there's uh, chair yoga, like chair stretching activities that you could do, which you don't really require any space at all.
2: You know, I was, I was walking through uh, an office space downtown, and I noticed some of the chairs have these big plastic balls as a chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you're balancing. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe, Scott, I can kind of ask you, what have you kind of seen that's a little bit unique or different in in an office environment that can get people you know i guess it's more you know they keep their posture up straighter and uh what have you seen that kind of works that's simple
3: yeah the big thing now is standing desks, so you can move your desk that it moves up and down and so now people are going to be standing and probably maybe standing for too long because standing for too long can be just right. as bad as sitting for too long. Um, I think it comes back to movement. Even if you're on the training ball, the thing is you're you're moving a bit more. So it comes back to even if you're moving one minute per hour, that's what's important as long as you're not sitting for eight hours a day. Um, and on your note with the small businesses, I think some – uh, entrepreneurs or small businesses see wellness as another file to take care of. And that's why organic comes in and actually takes that file off and makes the services uh, accessible without having to think about it too much. And, mm-hmm.
2: and and I know we're talking a lot about nutrition, a lot about actual exercise, but the the work environment itself, you know, the type of work and 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 the stress levels also have to be managed. So I know when we come back from the break, we'll kind of deal with that aspect as well.
1: Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health joins us on Today's Entrepreneur, Micheline Mayette, on the HR uh, side of this. It is now
0: 7.53. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health with us and Michelin Mayette, HR specialist at Fuller Landau, talking about how to uh, make uh, employees healthier.
2: And I know we were talking more about the physical office space and, you know, nutrition, eating healthy, but there's a mental state too. I mean, there's, there's, you know, making sure that the work is, or the work environment is maybe a little bit, maybe I won't say stress-free, you know, you're asking an accountant in April, but, uh, but certainly an environment that, that reduces or minimizes certain conflicts. So maybe you can touch upon that, Micheline, and how the employer, what they need to be sensitive to.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's. You know, we always say there's good stress and bad stress, you know, so definitely um, the first thing an employer will want to do if they want to have employee wellness is to, you know, try to reduce all the the bad stress as much as possible. So, I mean, you can't have um, a good health and wellness program if you have conflicts between employees that are going unresolved, a toxic work environment, um, you know, a, a very unreasonable workload with no foreseeable solution to the to the issues that you're having i mean there's you know peak times where companies will have a high workload but if it's you know employees are going to be there till you know working 10 12 hours a day with no solution in sight that can be a a very large source of stress
2: so do you do you feel that that entrepreneurs have to kind of train their their upper management in the signs and to kind of deal and, and make sure they're yeah. kind of looking out for these things?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it really is a question of management. So dealing with any difficult behavior on a, on a very timely basis, uh, managing employees' workload to help you know come up with solutions just and also just in terms of general support to your staff proper communication uh, one huge source of stress is a lack of communication in companies or whether there's a lack of transparency um, insecurity of the employees about maybe their future within the company or, or their their job that type of thing so the better an employer can communicate the, the least it'll help reduce stress just in and of itself
2: excellent thanks very much Micheline and as we come to the last moment of the show we'll turn to our guest uh, Scott and and ask you Scott what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur
3: if I had one I think it would be never give up uh, especially th- during the recession I thought of giving up on organic many many times and uh, I'm here today, organics growing. Uh, I'm part of a beautiful project in, in Quebec City. I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, this is all because I, I didn't give up. So um, never give up, I'd say, would be the number one piece of advice.
2: Uh, and I think that's clear. Uh, the, you know, the couple of takeaways, Dan, that I have is other than the the usual passion i guess or the usual i mean you know scott you know emanates such a, a a health and wellness and and you see him is that you know sometimes you just need those zen moments sometimes you just need to sit back reflect and say uh it's okay you know take it a little slowly take a couple of deep breaths uh, that might not be my style per se but you know sometimes you just need to do that to put things in perspective and then that certainly goes towards what scott said about not giving up at that point so uh, thanks very much uh, great piece of advice
1: Thanks, Scott Simons of Organic Optimal Health and to Mission Mayette, uh, HR at Fuller Landau. And uh, Josh, we'll see you back here next week, next Monday night at 7 p.m. for another episode of Today's Entrepreneur. The Exchange is next. It's 8 o'clock on CJD.